This is a production of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. Welcome to the Not Lukewarm Podcast with Diana Bartolini, a speaker, writer, and spiritual director who wants you to know your faith and live not lukewarm. Hello, everyone. It's Diana Bartolini. I have missed recording this podcast very much, but I do believe that this first quarter of 2023 has been a time of deep things happening in my spiritual life, in my personal life, and in what I'm going to be producing as content for all of you in the coming months. So God has been working on me just like he works on you. None of us are exempt from God refining us like he refines gold in the fire. I'm going to begin this week very simply using something that I've offered to you in the past, which are two guided meditations, one for Good Friday and one for Easter. I offer those to you as a reminder to put yourself in the Word, to put yourself in Scripture. Where does God show Himself? Where does God move you in His Word? When I come back next week, I will talk a little bit more about changes that have happened, things that have gone on, and talk a little bit about where I see this podcast going. A little bit of changes, not a lot, but enough. A little bit of shifts, because again, God has shown me a few things, and I think it's important to know that none of us have arrived at our final version, or best version, or however you want to call it, of ourselves on this earth. And so God is always helping us achieve and grow, especially if we're open to it. And so a few things happened, so some changes are going to happen as well. All right, enough about me. This is, well, that's going to be one of the biggest changes. Really, all that I'm going to be doing on this podcast, I so want it to be for His glory. And so I'm going to put you now into these two meditations like I said, one for Good Friday and one for any time during the Easter season. And I pray that they bless you and that they lead you to see yourself in God's word and what he has for you in there. I'll be back next week. God bless you. I'm going to do a guided meditation on the crucifixion and death of Jesus. I'm going to base it uh, using the Gospel of Mark chapter 15, if you want to follow along in your own Bible. And I'll be interspersing it with some thoughts and comments, questions for reflection as we go through. So let's set the stage. So Thursday, Jesus celebrated the Passover with his apostles and then went to the Garden of Gethsemane where he was arrested after being betrayed by Judas. And all night long, he has been in front of the people being tried, being mocked and ridiculed. And also Peter denies him three times at that point. So all night long, everyone has been awake. Everyone has been up. No one's gotten any sleep. And they finally decide that they really don't know what else to do with Jesus at this point. And so they're going to bring him to Pontius Pilate. And so that's where we begin. So we're going to begin, as I said, Mark chapter 15. As soon as morning came, the chief priests with the elders and the scribes, that is, the whole Sanhedrin, held a council. 
They bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Pilate questioned him, Are you the king of the Jews? He said to him in reply, You say so. The chief priests accused him of many things. Again, Pilate questioned him, Have you no answer? See how many things they accuse you of? Jesus gave him no further answer, so that Pilate was amazed. Pilate was amazed. He was amazed because Jesus gave no answer as he was accused of so many things. The people who accused him twisted all that Jesus had done, all of Jesus' miracles, all of Jesus' healings, all of Jesus' parables. They took what was good, holy, and true and used it against Jesus. In our own life, we probably don't twist the good Jesus has done for us, but do we see it? Do we notice the gifts? Do we speak and share the truth that he is the Lord of our life? Do we ever act as if Jesus has a place in our life when we need him? When we don't need him, we act as if he's not there. Pilate may be amazed, but he continues on with his agenda. Pilate wants to satisfy the crowds, so he releases Barabbas. Has Jesus scourged? and then hands him over to be crucified. Go back to scripture. Now, on the occasion of the feast, he used to release to them one prisoner whom they requested. A man called Barabbas was then in prison, along with the rebels who had committed murder in a rebellion. The crowd came forward and began to ask him to do for them as he was accustomed. Pilate answered, Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? For he knew that it was out of envy that the chief priests had handed him over. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have him release Barabbas for them instead. Pilate said to them again, Then what do you want me to do with the man you call the king of the Jews? They shouted again, Crucify him. Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? They only shouted the louder, Crucify him. So Pilate wishing to satisfy the crowd, released Barabbas to them, and after he had Jesus scourged, handed him over to be crucified. What have we done to satisfy the crowds in our life? may not have been in front of hundreds of people or even in front of one person, but we all have done things to satisfy our need to be liked, admired, or maybe just maintain the status quo. We've done things that have gone against what Jesus wants us to do. We've done things that go against how Jesus wants us to live. Bring those things to your mind and ask Jesus to forgive you for them. The soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is, the praetorium, and assembled the whole cohort. They clothed him in purple, and weaving a crown of thorns, placed it on him. They began to salute him with, Hail, King of the Jews, and kept striking his head with a reed and spitting upon him. They knelt before him in homage. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak, dressed him in his own clothes, and led him out to crucify him. You in the crowd waiting to see what will happen next to Jesus? Are you watching as the soldiers lead him to his death, wondering 
how this man who has done no wrong is now going to be killed. They pressed into service a passerby, Simon of Cyrenian, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. They brought him to the place of Golgotha, which is translated place of the skull. They gave him wine drugged with myrrh, but he did not take it. Then they crucified him and divided his garments by casting lots for them to see what each should take. It was nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified him. The inscription of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. Jesus is now on his cross, nailed to it like a common criminal. It was nine o'clock in the morning. It is now our time to look upon Jesus on his cross. What can we say to him? We love you, Jesus. I can't imagine the pain you are in right now. Your suffering is hard to watch, but I want to stay with you. I hope my staying helps you. I think it will help me. I think it will help me be less selfish, less angry. I think it will help me remember that you love me. I think it will help me love others the way I see you now, loving me, loving all of the people. Whether they have loved you or mocked you, you are giving up your life for them. They wrote King of the Jews to mock you, but Jesus, you are my king, the only ruler I want to follow. With him, they crucified two revolutionaries, one on his right and one on his left. Those passing by reviled him, shaking their heads and saying, Aha, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself by coming down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests with the scribes mocked him among themselves and said, He saved others. He cannot save himself. Let the Messiah, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also kept abusing him. Can you imagine abusing Jesus while he was dying on the cross? How the people mocked and treated you while you were dying was beyond terrible. And yet you said nothing. You spoke not a word against them. You fulfilled your Father's will and prepared to die for us. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. At three o'clock, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemak sabachthani, which is translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of the bystanders who heard it said, Look, he is calling Elijah. One of them ran, soaked a sponge with wine, put it on a reed, and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see if Elijah comes to take him down. Jesus gave a loud cry and breathed his last. We adore you, O Christ, and we bless you. For by your holy cross, you have redeemed the world. The veil of the sanctuary was torn in top, in two from top to bottom. When the centurion, who stood facing him, saw how he breathed his last, he said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. Lord, we know that you are the Son of God. 
we cannot offer you enough thanks for dying for us. There were also women looking on from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of the younger James and of Joseph, and Salome. These women had followed him when he was in Galilee and ministered to him. There were also many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem. When it was already evening, since it was the day of preparation, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a distinguished member of the council, who himself awaited the kingdom of God, came and courageously went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate was amazed that Jesus was already dead. He summoned the centurion and asked him if Jesus had already died. And when he had learned of it from the centurion, he gave the body to Joseph. Having brought a linen cloth, he took him down, wrapped him in the linen cloth, and laid him in a tomb that had been hewn out of the rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance to the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, watched where he was laid. And just like the women watched, and just like the women and your apostles waiting, now we too wait with Mary, your mother, with Mary Magdalene, with the apostles. We wait for the stone to be rolled away and for you to come out of the tomb. We wait for your resurrection. We wait knowing what happens. And yet, though we know what happens, we still wait in stillness, in quiet, in prayerful contemplation, pondering all you have done for us, all you continue to do for us each and every day. There are not enough words to give you all the glory and praise and thanks for dying for us. We pray that you know how much we love you. We ask you to be with us and help us to love each other as you love us. Your death gives us new life. Help us to embrace it fully so that we, like you, can do our Father's will. That's the end of the meditation, my friends. I hope that it blesses you, and I hope that it serves you. There is no not lukewarm challenge today, because really our call this day is to just die to ourself as Christ died for us. So I will be with you again next time. Until then, may God bless you and keep you in the palm of his hand. And now we will begin the Easter meditation. The Gospel, the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 1 to 9. And so we begin. On the first day of the week, Mary of Magdala, came to the tomb early in the morning while it was still dark. Sunday morning, before the birds have begun to sing, before the sun has begun to rise, it is dark, and Mary goes alone, alone to Jesus' tomb. She wants to grieve away from the others. She wants to give honor to Jesus. What about you? In times of grief, do you want to be alone or do you need others around you? Maybe it's a bit of both. How have you given honor to Jesus? But when Mary gets there, she sees the unexpected. What does she see? 
the stone removed from the tomb. Probably out of fear, maybe a concern for her own safety and well-being, maybe some confusion. Rather than entering the tomb, she turns away then and runs to Simon Peter and John. What does the scripture say? It says, So she ran and went to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and told them, They have taken the Lord from the tomb, and we do not know where they put him. The Lord is not in the tomb where he ought to be. Something is not right. It reminds me of when I go into a church on Good Friday. No sanctuary lamp is lit, and the tabernacle is empty. And I think, where is Jesus? The church building looks like it always does, but there is an emptiness about it without Jesus' physical presence in the Eucharist, in the church. What feelings and thoughts does this bring to your mind? Have you ever not known where Jesus was in your own life? I think most of us on our Christian walk have a deep longing to be close to Jesus. Sometimes, though, we lose our way, and we walk away rather than toward him. We can't find Jesus. We don't know where he is. Pause for a minute and think about the times you couldn't find Jesus. What helped you find him? For me, what always helps me find Jesus, his word, the scriptures. Going to mass helps me find Jesus again. Sometimes it's reading a really good book about him. Going to adoration. All of those things help me to find Jesus again. Now John continues telling us what happens that first Easter morning. So Peter and the other disciple went out and came to the tomb. They both ran, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and arrived at the tomb first. He bent down and saw the burial cloths there, but did not go in. We have Peter and John running to the tomb, but out of respect for Peter, John waits to enter the tomb. Waiting is hard sometimes especially if you are excited or scared, but John waits. Is it hard for you sometimes to wait on Jesus for an answer to prayer, for direction? We have to try as best as we can to wait and wait holding on to the expectation that we're going to get an answer, just as John waits. And then John allows Peter to enter first. Simon Peter arrives at the tomb. He went into the tomb and saw the burial cloths there, and the cloth that had covered his head, not with the burial cloths, but rolled up in a separate place. Peter sees an empty tomb and burial cloths. I imagine the burial cloths to be in a big pile, like the big tangle of sheets on the floor as I gather the laundry. A tangle of cloth, 
shaken off by Jesus when he rose. He wanted to be loosed from the bonds of death, to be free of anything that would encumber him. Anything that would encumber him and prevent him from doing the will of his Father. I want that freedom. Do you want that freedom? What must it feel like to rise from the dead? Baptism is freedom from death, but I don't recall my baptism. I do, though, recall confession. There have been a few times in my life when I was so convicted that I had done something wrong, a sin so great that I needed to go right away to confess and receive absolution. And then that great freedom that I felt in my soul, and in some ways in my body too. When we are released from that bond of death, because sin is like a kind of death. Because when we sin, we move away from God. We move away from Jesus. And you can feel that tension in your body and, of course, in your soul. And that's why confession is so good for our soul. Now, granted, Jesus has no sin to be freed from, but his human body suffered and died. In some small way, each time we turn back to Jesus and away from sin in the world, we have a resurrection. I have had many resurrections in my life. How about you? How many times, how many ways Have you died to yourself, to sin? Has life caused you to be so burdened that you felt like you couldn't keep moving forward? And then something good happens. Or you maybe you go to confession. You receive Jesus in the Eucharist. Someone reaches out and says to you, hey, look at this. And you have that resurrection. Find some time to think about those resurrections. Maybe write them down and praise and thank God for them. Those are answers to prayer. Those are the signposts in our life that God is with us. Let's go back to the scripture and notice the covering that was on Jesus's head. It's separate. It's not with the other burial cloths. It's as if Jesus took it off his own head. Carefully rolling it up and putting it aside to let us know he rose from the dead, fully aware of what was happening. So important in our own life to be fully aware of what is happening. Sometimes being fully aware is painful, but oftentimes being fully aware means that we see the good and the bad. And we can focus on the good so that the bad does not overtake us, the things that we struggle against in this world. Focus and see the good that God is doing rather than the bad. And then what happens? John enters the tomb. It says, the other disciple also went in, the one who had arrived at the tomb first, And he saw and believed. How could an empty tomb make him believe? It's not the empty tomb. It is faith. It is faith, that most glorious gift from God Most High. He has given us the gift of faith. 
John, in that moment, it seems, is given the gift of faith. It's through faith that we can say, yes, I believe, even when we may not understand all that happens, just like the apostles. Faith does not require that we understand. Faith means that we accept the gift and know that what we need to know in terms of understanding will be revealed to us at the right time and in the right manner. Just as it says to close out this section from John, for they did not yet understand the scripture that he had to rise from the dead. And it's okay that they did not understand. And it's okay if you don't understand. Accept the faith that God offers. Accept the faith that tells us that Jesus rose from the dead for our salvation, for your salvation, for my salvation, so that one day we will all be with him for eternity in heaven. One day, we will all be together with Jesus, with God, the angels, the saints, all of those who have gone before us. We will be with them all in eternity in heaven. That is why Jesus rose from the dead. It is my hope and my prayer that you have a blessed Easter season. And know that I have prayed for you when I've been at Masses during Holy Week and beyond. God bless you. Don't forget to always live not lukewarm. Thanks for listening to the Not Lukewarm Podcast, a production of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, tell a friend, or leave a review wherever you listen. Show notes and links are at notlukewarmpodcast.com.